Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this show every Monday through Friday to give you and your loved ones a leg up, a healthier life. We call it smart life. That, of course, is the goal. And uh, you you weren't able to hear it, but um, Rob, our great producer, was singing the intro song. And so we were just getting a good laugh at little old Robbie. Hi, Robbie. Well, you know, you hear the same song every day. It, it gets in your head. Do you want to give us a little, just give us no. a few bars of it. Just a few measures, stanzas. No, I think we're good. Hmm. It's just, you know, the do, 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 do. Anyway. Keep going. You're working <laughs> no, it. We're working good. it. We're good. Well, that's good. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, again, we try to do what we can to uh, help you help you laugh a little bit and give you some tools. Today's going to be a great program because we're talking about marriage and relationships, which is ironic because I'm pretty much the only guy on the show that's married, which uh, we really we really need to get into really fast because, you know, I know you're young and all, but uh, are any of you really focused on getting married? Ish. Well, I mean, it's it's there. It's there. It's You've there. gone on a date. I've gone on a date. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's I've like gone on a date. You know your back your back <laughs> fence at your house, Matt. That you're like, oh yeah, yeah I'm really focused. I got to get that painted. It's on your mind all the time. Yeah. And yet years go by, and you're like, oh, I still haven't got to get that painted. painted. The difference is the fence also has to want to be painted for whatever analogy that is. Oh, so you're saying my fence would have a voice and its own, or agency. like, it, or it requires a, a team of people to, you know, to, to, two people have to team up to get that fa- fence painted, and so oh. then that makes it even more complicated because you got to coordinate schedules. And- well, I think if you just um, was 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 Tom Sawyer the one who like yeah, bribed he, everyone to paint his fence for yeah. him? So, so Tom got, manipulated people to get it. So, to, so are you he, asking us to help you? Get, I don't know where this metaphor is going now. I know we're adding the metaphor. <laughs> Sounds like if you want to manipulate people to go on dates with us, that's it. I don't think I think you guys have got it, and I think today's show is gonna gonna take it to the next level with all of you because today you're gonna learn the joys of being married. You're gonna learn that it's worth it and all the new problems it introduces. It's interesting, all of the new problems. But by the way, I think they're the same problems you all are having with your roommates, right? Hey, mm. don't eat my food. Nah, I go days without seeing him. It's fine. Oh, really? Yeah. So marriage is hard. The only problem I have with my roommate is coordinating our schedules when we can watch Prison Break. So Really? Yeah. Well, that's a lot like a marriage. Really? You know that, right? I did what, not know prison? that. No, prison Break. Prison Break is a <laughs> lot like a marriage. Marriage is good. So we're going to get into that. We'll spend, I don't know, an entire hour on giving you tools. We're going to be bringing in an expert named Russell Irving from the website, uh, you uh, what is it, don'toverlooktheobvious.com, and he's going to give us some tools and some ideas. But before we do that, let's go to the human news, the, the things, the lessons we're learning about life. Okay, so anybody got some news for us? I got something. Yes, yes, Ty boy. Typo. Oh, I'm, I'm a fan of games, all games. I mean, like video like games are okay. Board, board games? games are really, really good. Do you, by the way, what game do you like? Um, I'm a fan of like Stratego, Risk, Monopoly, like those long strategy really? games. Really? Okay. I you know why like they call them board I can't games? Stand those. Because you only play them when you're bored. Same reason we have a board operator <laughs> named Sky. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, one of the games <laughs> that I didn't get bored with was the game from Hasbro called Guess Who. Do you remember that one? I it was like you have all the little pictures and then... I love that game. Yeah, and so like you would pick what your character is and then other people would have to guess characteristics. Like, okay, yeah. do you have freckles? Do you have I long hair? That. And then slowly you would kind of narrow it down and see who everybody was. Well, there is a little girl. That, her name's not mentioned, but we'll call her Roxy. Roxy! And she's six years old. And she wrote into Hasbro and she said, My name is Roxy. I am six years old. I think it's not fair to have only five girls and guess who and 19 boys. It is not only boys who are important. Girls are important, too. Yeah, Roxy. That's good. Good, good for her, you know? Yeah. So she's, she's mad because there's a disproportionate amount of men characters in this game, male characters, than female. Exactly. And in a six-year-old mind, when you're playing a game, if you're a girl, you're not going to choose to be a boy character, right? Right. You want to be well, one of the— Well, I thought the object was you, you don't get to choose. You pick up the card— and you can't see who it is. She just wants better odds. But the but yeah, that's the thing. Like if you pick a girl, and the person asks, "Is your character a girl?" Then automatically, it, yeah, there's nineteen, down things, to, that 19 things that go down. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's really like unfortunate when you pick a girl. Actually. Oh, and she says that she yeah. says if you if, if a girl wants to be a girl, they'll always lose against a boy, and it will be harder for them to win. I am cross about that, and if you don't <laughs> fix it soon, my mom could throw guess who out. And at <laughs> wow. the end of the message, she says. My mom typed this message, but I told her what to say. She's cross. She's cross. She used the word cross. How yeah. cute is that? How old is she? She's six years old. Like, seriously. She's great. We need more little six-year-old activists Yes, that are pushing the envelope of what's right and wrong. Plus, it's going to increase the odds for everybody playing. Exactly. Good job, Roxy. That's great news. See, little six-year-olds can make a difference. Any other news? What you got, Skyboy? I have some fun little – since tomorrow or tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Is that tomorrow? No, it's two days. Two days. Two days from now. In a while, yes. In a little bit. Later this week. Um, I got some some fun little Thanksgiving trivia things that you guys might not know. So Let's hear it. The first one is, did you know that the – same person who lobbied to make Thanksgiving a holiday is the same person who wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb. Her name is really? Sarah Josepha Hale. When was this? Um, this was in eight... Uh, around, around the time of Lincoln, I think. Yeah, well, she yeah. lobbied for it, and 17 years later, um, when President Lincoln was, was president, that's when it was actually established a holiday in 1863. And so, I, I think there's a little strange irony there, because she writes the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb... Thanksgiving. Oh, I love lamb for Thanksgiving. Well, you know how the song goes, Lamb right? is Mary, the best. Mary had a little lamb, but now her lamb is dead, so Mary took the lamb to school between I, two hunks of bread. No, that's not, that's not <laughs> the lamb one witch. I love lamb witch. <laughs> lamb witch. Mm. All right. Now, the next one is which, which uh, Thanksgiving meal, Matt, do you think, or which Thanksgiving dish do you think contains the most calories? The most calories? Which dish of all of the dishes? Yes. I would have to just, go. Just so you know, each American averages between 3,000 to 5,000 calories per Thanksgiving meal. Which is why I go on long walks that my wife makes me take before each So which, which dish do you think? I would say the most fatty dish would be uh, a really thick dressing with gravy on it. Mm. No. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably say the same thing because you have all the bread in it and... I would Spices. guess buttered mashed potatoes. It's actually pecan pie. Oh. It's got mm. 503 calories a slice. Pecan pie. That All right. Now so you were saying good. you have to go on a long walk. 
Yes. It says that, I get to. I don't have to. It says to. to burn off your Thanksgiving calories, a 150-pound person would have to run an average of 29 miles to burn off 2,800 calories. <laughs> so Hold on. Say that again. <laughs> they'd have to run? They'd have to run an average of 29 miles to burn off their Thanksgiving How meal. How far would I have to walk? <laughs> well, a marathon's 26.2. Yeah, but it does say that if you weigh more, congratulations, you have to you get to run less. So... Crud. You know so what? that means that That's means that me at 125 pounds, you're gonna have to run more than 29 miles. Oh, crud. Double marathon. <laughs> Double marathon for you, boy. That is sad. And wow. then my my Any last other? one. How many pounds of turkey do you think Americans consume on Thanksgiving Day? Okay, this is important. Collectively, as a whole, you mean the entire country or per person? Uh, collectively. How mm. many pounds? Yes. Collectively. Yes. I would say. A trillion, uh, I mean, a million, a, a million, a million tons. A well, million I'm, tons? I'm wondering because you have 300 million Americans. So if everybody ate pound, pound and a half, 450 million pounds. I'm going to guess a little lower. Let's say 300 million pounds. One pound per person. If Bryce were here, he would guess one pound. He would guess one pound. Okay, well, Rob and Tyler were under and Matt was over. So it's. 368,000 tons or 736 million pounds. Oh, so that's about two and a half heavens. pounds a person. Yeah. To put that into perspective, <sighs> the weight equivalent of almost 20 Queen Mary two cruise ships. Wow. Well, that's probably per person actually more because you think about all the people who don't eat turkey for Thanksgiving. You think about little kids who might uh, eat, yeah. a, you know. Mm-hmm. A little toddler's probably only going to knock off maybe one pound of turkey themselves. Wow. So. <laughs> that's also the weight, about the weight of the Empire State Building. Is it really? Yeah. That's a lot of turkey. Well, okay. Oh, that's gross. That sounds gross. You may have ruined the holiday for me. <laughs> it's, I think the, I just ruined the holiday because now you realize you have to run a marathon. But it, is the L tryptophan <laughs> thing true, though? Yes. That, does it really make you sleepy? Um, it says right here that one of the other fun facts is turkey does not make you tired. Mm. It says Running sleepy. 29 miles to wear it off does. Yeah. Yeah. It may be digesting seven and a half pounds of turkey probably <laughs> <laughs> makes you tired too. It wears you out to digest that much turkey. Okay. Good stuff. Trip to fan. Here's the deal. Uh, I've got one more question for you. Do you guys think that chimps go through a midlife crisis? No. Chimpanzees? Chimpanzees. Um, you know men do. <laughs> so if you think of your father, your father went out, bought that red Porsche, boom. Right? I, I want to know your 20-year-old Lexus. Your, is that what your dad did? <laughs> did 300,000 miles on it. Did he? So I haven't hit midlife yet. Really? Yeah. But, oh. So don't be rude, <laughs> you chimp. So what they're finding out is that apparently uh, our chimpanzee friends actually do go through a midlife crisis, just like we do. But they don't have the social pressures that human beings See, have. but they don't even know what causes a midlife crisis. It's not just the social pressures. It's, it's this weird burden that we seem to go through as as humans – you know, somewhere midlife, and they, they've sent researchers out from U.S., Japan, Germany, the U.K. to test out if this is only something that humans experience. And they've tested it in chimpanzees. 
And here's what they found out. I don't know if you know this, but supposedly you start really happy. Your happiness of life goes in a U shape. So you start really happy and you tend to bottom out about midlife and then it gets really happy again. I think it's because you lose your memory as you go (laughs) as you're wrapping up your life. But chimpanzees also have a U-shaped form of, uh, of happiness for their life. And they have found – they checked 500 chimps and, um, and orangutans and found out that from various zoos, sanctuaries, research centers from all over the world, they found that these animals numerically pattern exactly as the humans are patterned. Patterning, they have a lull in their happiness similar to a midlife crisis. However, they only live to be fifty, so theirs is about thirty years of age. Mm. How do they test their happiness? Well, they they just watch them. They watch <laughs> their behaviors and they code their behaviors, and then some behaviors are coded as happy and some are coded as sad. So, mm-hmm. if you were to take his banana away, that would contribute to his midlife crisis. Yes. You'd probably see that their posture was different. You'd see how they move and spin their head was different when they're during this crisis. Well, and I suppose, I mean, they, you know, the emotions of chimps are is kind of visible. And so when you do see a chimp decide to just curl up in the recliner with a bowl of ice cream and watch yeah. TV shows all day, you know, they're probably, they're in the you know, not up crisis. to their full. Well, or when they pull up in a little red Porsche. Yeah, that, that, that'd work Sporting too. like a really nice suit. So, hey, hey, all you men out there, just recognize midlife crisis is completely normal and it's apparently out of your control. Just don't lose your head and go, you know, don't go start trying to work out and wear clothes that don't fit. That's our tip for the day. We're here to help you. We're here to serve. So, we are going to take a break. When we come back from this break, we are going to get into relationships and marriage, giving you some tools and some ideas for how to maybe uh, make it not so complicated. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Getting a Wi-Fi signal from the flickering of your desk lamp. Next. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Wireless networking is very handy around the house, connecting your computers and peripherals like printers, phones, data pads, or even the TV. But broadband Wi-Fi radio signals also come with problems. Their bandwidth is crowded, so there's only so much room for multiple hookups, plus the radio signals can leak through your walls and be received by unwanted users or even hackers. A team from the Fraunhofer Institute for Telecommunications at Heinrich Hertz Institute in Germany has a novel idea for an alternate Wi-Fi system based on light, and it's already installed in your home. It uses the lights in your house to broadcast Wi-Fi signals from room to room by flickering at a rate so fast that the human eye can't register it, but a photo sensor can. To make the system work requires LED-based bulbs driven at thousands of blinks per second. So far, the test version has a data speed of about 230 megabits per second, but the developers think they can double that without too much trouble. And a chandelier looks much classier than most data routers. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. The Kennedy Center's Global Awareness Lecture invites international diplomats, scholars, and talented individuals to speak on issues affecting the global community. 
Increase your global awareness, enjoy the insights of extraordinary speakers, and keep up with the world around you by tuning into Notes from the Kennedy Center. Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about marriage. And, uh, of course, you know, we've got to send our reporters out to do some work on this. So since when did the marriage become a bad thing? Well, our producer Bryce has some thoughts about that that he would just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. If I didn't know any better, I would say that the idea of marriage has been getting a bit of a bad rap lately. If you're like me, and you've turned on any sort of show or broadcast, you've probably heard someone bad-mouthing marriage. And there even seems to be this anti-marriage culture developing. Now, I'm not entirely sure why this is happening, but I've got a few theories. Now, I used to make fun of people who ate salads. I would do it all the time while I ate my cheeseburgers, and I tried not to act disgusted by the grease dripping down my arms. I did this partially because it was easy, but mostly because I was a little jealous at their ability to show some restraint and discipline in their eating habits. And I think a lot of those who mock marriage fall into this category. The idea of marriage, much like eating salads, worries them. They're not sure if they can do it. They aren't sure if they're up to the task. Instead of voicing their insecurities, they just hope to push their problem away by poking fun at it. Or then there's the people that have been recently divorced. These people seem to be the loudest. You see, they found someone that they really liked. Then things didn't go so well. Now they feel like it's their mission in life to tell everyone how much they don't like marriage. And it makes sense why they get so many listeners. Think about it. What is more interesting? Someone talking about how functional and convenient their married life is? No, there's nothing juicy about that. But someone complaining about all the irritating things their former spouse would do? Now you have a captive audience. This kind of stuff is full of juicy details and there's some real passion in your dislike. But really all I hear them say is, I have made it painfully obvious that I'm bad at marriage. But I'm not going to own up to that fact like an adult would. I'm going to share personal details about my spouse and act like I'm better off now than I was when I was happy. And the rise of this anti-marriage culture seems to stem from the phenomenon known as the vocal minority and the silent majority. You see, there's a really strange thing that happens when a minority of people get vocal. Even if they are nowhere near the majority, their loudness seems to make the majority of people think that they're the ones who are the minority. So they sit back and be quiet and just let things roll on. I mean, come on, if marriage is really so universally awful, why would people keep getting married? All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. He did it again. That cute little cuddly Bryce Tobin did it again. Um, Boy, great point. The silent majority, the vocal – no, what was it? The silent majority, the vocal minority. So what do you guys think? So if I I understand Bryce correctly, people who are in happy marriages aren't whining about it. Mm -mm. TV show producers aren't writing TV shows about people who, yeah, everything's fine. No problems. Right. We're not hearing from – the happy, healthy ones. We just hear from really the, either the unhealthy ones or the ones that are just kind of anti-marriage. Do you guys – do you think it's impacting your desire to get married? Uh, this negative push that's like, oh, the ball and chain. You're with a – you've got a partner now for life. Now you're tied down and you can't have the fun single life. Well, it definitely makes me be a lot pickier. <clears throat> Is it? Are you more picky now? Well, I guess so. I mean, it's always like, wow, you got to be stuck to someone forever. And uh, 
pick a good one. <laughs> so, so I think sometimes it's you scary. start looking at flaws a yeah. lot more because you're like, well, I really like them, but then there's this about them. And I'm not sure I can spend my entire life dealing with the fact that they laugh really funny or something. <laughs> or don't laugh. Or don't laugh. What if they don't laugh? Oh, they're automatically out for me. If you don't have a sense of humor, blankly just... at you every time you tell a joke. Yeah. I mean, my jokes are pretty stupid, but no, they're not. A courtesy laugh. Should we do one? Let's do one. Yeah, what was that one you guys did um, earlier? About how the... do you sneak up on a rare animal? Oh, you sneak up on it. Exactly. Don't uh, you have one, Ty? Yeah. How do you catch a tame animal? I don't know. Tell us, Ty. Tame thing. You sneak up on it. <laughs> See, Tell I at least she would love that. I at least want a courtesy laugh. If she's just going to stare at me. All you then got just right stay there. away from me. Here's something for you. There are uh, social sciences are proving that there are huge benefits to marriage, right? So I'm going to quiz you guys. Okay. And you guys tell me if you think, we'll see if you guys really know things. True or false, children are most likely to enjoy family stability when they are born into a married family. True. Yeah, true. Truth. True or false, cohabitation is not the functional equivalent of marriage. True. Yes, that is yep. true. That is true. Research yeah. shows cohabitation is not the functional equivalent of marriage. They're different. They have different impacts. True or false? Marriage is virtually universal. Is usually is virtually a universal human institution. That would be Ooh. universally all cultures have true. some form true. of marriage. Yeah, you you don't see many <clears throat> cultures where. It isn't pairing off, and then there's some ceremony that, yeah. No, I, I yeah, yeah, I'd say yes. True. Yeah, that's true. Totally true. Um, okay, here's some more. Your quizzes are easy, Matt. Well, they're all true. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'd have to rewrite their whole thing. Marriage, <laughs> married couples, okay, are, more, are married couples wealthier than single couples? Mm. Singles you, living you, together, cohabitating. Well, no, because they have to spend a whole bunch of money on their kids. Married couples seem to build more wealth on average than singles or cohabitating couples. But then again, I spend a lot of money on my car. <laughs> yes, true. And you probably spend it differently because you're single than others do when they start saving because mm. they have a family. After every rainstorm, I go wash that car. <laughs> That's I'm not, you know, nothing no, it's, else it's to care your, for I understand. It's your girlfriend. Um Minority, hold on, uh, married men earn more money than do single men with similar education and job histories. True. I'm going to say, yeah, totally true. Well, kind of because you have to, you know, if you're a single guy and yeah, I mean, you're not making as much as you want, but you like the job or whatever, you think, yeah, I'll just, I'll stick it out. But I, I, make, think, I make enough. I don't know. But I think it's also because you have more support back home. You know, you have yeah. more confidence because you got yeah. someone who's there and says, oh, you're doing such a good job. And so you're going to try out for... Or, you're going to apply for better jobs. You're going to apply for something that's a little more. Well, you have so, a spouse at home, too, who's, how come you haven't asked for that pay raise yet? <laughs> well, I mean to do that. Well, go talk to your boss today. Okay, so it depends on what kind of support you're talking about. It's the same thing. Check this out. Do you think if your parents divorce, does it increase the likelihood that you'll, um, your schoolwork will, will be impacted? Yeah. Getting married? Yeah. Subconscious. Yes. All my friends divorced. who got married Oh, you're talking divorce. Yeah. Or to say all my friends who got stay married. who got married, their grades went way up, skyrocketed after they yeah, got married. Yeah, grades do go up usually after that. You also um children who live with their own two married parents enjoy better physical health on average than children who do not live with their own two parents. Parental marriage is associated with a sharply lower risk of infant mortality. 
married people, especially married men, have longer life expectancies than that do otherwise is true. similar singles. That is true. See all these benefits? Well, that's mainly because the wife, a wife would say, you really need to go see a doctor. My <laughs> wife tells me my neck's too big for my shirt collars. Oh. It's kind of rude, but she doesn't. Doctor can't do anything about that. I, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Just neck fat. Um, marriage seems to be associated with better health among minorities and the poor as well. Um, family breakdown appears to increase significantly the risk of suicide. So suicide rates go up when we are in broken families. Married mothers have lower rates of depression than do single or cohabitating mothers. See, these are all little things that marriage impacts, and we don't even look at them. Do you guys think a single mom is more likely to be abused or a married mom? Well, well I'm if guessing she, single. If she still continues kind of to be married, <laughs> she's probably with somebody who's treating her nice versus single meaning divorced. That could have been. Married women appear to have a lower risk of experiencing domestic violence than do cohabitating or dating women. Yeah, because yeah, uh, if, if she finds a keeper, somebody who's actually nice, then he's probably not abusive. A child who is not living with his or her own two married parents is at greater risk of child abuse. That makes sense. <sighs> Marriage is good. It's good. It's just hard, as is everything in life that's worth it, right? It's like if you want to eat seven and a half pounds of turkey, you've got to run 29 miles. It um, makes unless, sense. Unless you're my size and you have to run double that. You'd have to run double that. Or if, you li- if you're like me and you like to walk, you'd have to walk 15 times that. But honestly, don't couples fight every day? Uh, no. I wouldn't. Really? I find most of the couples I work with fight. I mean the couples that are on the verge of divorce fight every day. But the rest of the couples, I think most couples on average would fight twice a month. Wow. TV's giving me all kinds of lies. <laughs> don't, be, don't believe TV. So we're going to blow up some of these myths. <clears throat> Marriage, it does a body good. It's not perfect. Uh, by the way, we can always find healthy cohabitating couples or healthy singles. The, I, I guess as far as an institution goes, it's one that's, I think, um, paying the test over time. It works. Seems like it's a pretty popular one. We're going to be talking about some more tools, some ideas to help you and your loved ones uh, improve your marriage and maybe simplify your life a little bit. Right after this break, you're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. For the 2012-2013 season, BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. Don't miss BYU football. Touchdown! Cougars take the lead! Men's basketball. Davies to the middle and the right hand stop. Women's basketball. Brigham Young University Cougars are the West Coast Conference champions. Baseball. A walk-off grand slam and BYU wins it. And more. All the major sports all season long. Only on your home for Cougar sports. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton has arrived in Jerusalem as the possibility of a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is looking more and more likely by the end of the day. 
Clinton is there to talk with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu about the U.S.'s continued commitment to Israeli security, which is why the Obama administration is so strongly backing the ceasefire as the best course of action. Clinton said in a statement that a durable outcome promoting safety, security and prosperity for both Israel and Palestine needs to be the main goal. A proposed law in Congress will give the national government access to read Americans' personal emails. The bill originally started out as a measure to increase Internet security for individuals, specifically regarding email, but has now been amended at the request of law enforcement officials. In its current state, the bill would allow warrantless access to personal email, Google Docs, and Facebook and Twitter posts to 22 government agencies. The Senate is voting on the measure next week. Idaho police have arrested a man in connection with the killing of a patas monkey at the Boise Zoo. 22-year-old Michael J. Watkins is facing two felony charges after the monkey was bludgeoned to death last Saturday. Police say the man overcame multiple zoo security measures in the early morning in order to be at the exhibit before anyone else. Security workers reported seeing two people breaking into the zoo grounds, but both ran before being apprehended. Watkins has injuries to his upper torso, but so far authorities have not connected them with the monkey killing. However, the hospital workers who treated him say his explanation did not match up with his injuries. The puppeteer behind the beloved Sesame Street character Elmo has resigned in the wake of child sex accusations. Kevin Clash's resignation came today after a second accuser came forward claiming he had inappropriate relations with Clash at 15 years old. The man, who is now 30, has filed a $5 million suit against Clash. Sesame Workshop says Clash can no longer be effective at his job while he is dealing with this distraction. As the holiday shopping season gears up, experts say that Clash's personal life could decrease sales of Elmo toys by as much as 10%. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. And on today's show, we are talking marriage. What better than marriage than to send our very own Sky Boy, the man who never leaves the studio and is always behind the board, uh, slowly responding to my needs. We sent him out to go ask the people on the street about marriage. What'd you go ask them, Sky? I asked them, what's one thing that they thought would be easy in marriage, but now they overcomplicate it? Did people answer? They did. Well, let's take a listen. Communication. Just because sometimes you forget to communicate things and you overlook them and it creates complication. Well, keeping the house clean. Yeah. We thought it would be easier because there's just the two of us, but, like, we talk about it and, like, chart it out. And there's only two of us. It should be easier than living with six roommates, but... And unfortunately, it ends up, goes a week without doing the dishes <laughs> because we got trying to keep everything else clean. And then we realize we can't, we have to do it all at once, and it, it's just a mess. Cooking dinner because... You think, oh, yeah, I'll just put food on the table. But then you don't realize, like, that you have to take time out of your busy day, prepare, buy things ahead of time. You have to work on saving money. You want to make things that the other people like. 
you know, what members in your family like, and you want to be healthy. Like, there's so many things to think about. <laughs> and oftentimes, it's like, oh my goodness, I don't. Like, I'll overthink it and think, oh gosh, it's, it's too difficult, and then I'll end up not making dinner. Probably budgeting. When you're single, a budget's a lot easier than it is when you're married, and it's easy to make it really complicated with all your expenses and different things. I guess the thing that I thought would be the easiest, that's probably the, was the hardest, is deciding who's going to do what in marriage and making a smooth transition into that. Like, who's going to handle the finances? Who's going to handle cooking dinner or whatever? It wasn't as straightforward as I thought when it was going to happen. I think I thought it would be easier to agree on disciplining the kids, and it's never it never stops being complicated. Probably scheduling our time. It seemed like it'd be just not a big deal that we're married. Our time's one, but with both of us with different interests. You know, I have sporting activities. She has girls' nights out, etc. It's a little tough to coordinate schedules to where we can do what we want as a family together, yet also maintain our individual interests that we do with friends. Like, sometimes I think I feel insecure in marriage when I shouldn't. Like, it's completely in my mind. <laughs> and... Um, but other than that, like, there's no real issues. Uh, I think sometimes the simple things like uh, how you do the dishes or how you, you know, the way your mom ties something that you thought uh, it'll be no big deal. And then you realize, hey, there was another way to do it. And after a couple of years of marriage, you figure it out and you go, hey, that's the best way and you adopt that. Okay, I would say probably cooking. Like, it seems like it would be simple. And now, even more because I'm so much busier, it's just so complicated to take time and really plan out um, your meals. Holiday schedules. Who's going to go with whose family this holiday? And I thought, you know, it just did work out, but it's become more difficult. I mean, even I was just thinking of the kids... A lot of times you think that you're going to both treat the kids the same way or want them to grow up and the way you discipline them and, and it's something that's a lot more difficult. You know, you've got to talk and talk over it together and figure out what you want to do. I don't know. I love being married. I, I look back on single life and I'm just really grateful that I'm not single anymore. My brother's single and I'm just grateful to be married. Grateful to be married. Good boy, Sky Boy. Did Thanks. you learn anything going out there? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I learned is it's really awkward trying to find married people. <laughs> it's really hard. Like, like you mean it's awkward to go stalk married people? Yeah, it's awkward stalking. But you found people. a bunch. It looks found, like yeah, I found a bunch. But it's like I was like trying to like look at their hand to see if they had a ring on, and it was really just kind of like and then, and then like they'd be like look they'd look at me like staring at them and I'd be like oh. Never mind. Didn't you didn't just want to barge up to somebody and say, excuse me, are you married? I did that a couple times. Did you notice a theme, by the way? What was the theme? They, I mean, they brought up a million different topics, but it seems like it's just trying to talk it through and they're making charts and compl- – I mean, it's just the – there's it's the little things that are complicating this yeah. marriage. You yeah. know what I mean? It was a lot of little things. And then like talking them out and having time to talk them out. Marriage, folks. You guys really need to jump in and get in there. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people make it sound like it's not great, but it is great. I'm how, sure how right does before the show, you go were, about jumping in? You just get married. Duh. I'm not just going <laughs> to get married. <laughs> okay, don't just get married. What were you going to say, Ty? Before the show, I'm pretty sure I heard the words come out of your mouth of, 
Tyler, don't don't get married. Don't get married. I'm pretty sure I heard that. <laughs> Matt's a completely different person off mic. Off the air. You gotta well, I just I'm trying to be real with you guys. Marriage is hard. But um so is being a hermit the rest of your life. Now I'm not saying you guys are hermits. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying marriage is hard. And then I, I believe it. But you know what? It doesn't have to be hard, right? I, I wouldn't know. That's why we have our next guest. Well, I'm excited to hear what he has to say. So we're now coming back with our guest of the day, Russell Irving. Now, Russell uh, is, you know, has a great educational background in psychology and ph- uh, philosophy. He spent many years in human services working with uh, diverse populations. He was a coordinator at a residential facility for alcohol and addicted men. He's a substance abuse counselor. And more importantly for today's topic, he is, he's written a book. And has put together a website that is entitled Improve Your Marriage, Don't Overlook the Obvious. And so we are going to be picking Russell's brain today to figure out how we can improve our marriage by maybe not getting so hung up on some of the obvious things. So, Russell, welcome to the program. Thank you. I appreciate being um, able to be one of your guests, Matt. You bet. It's so great to have you. Now, you I mean, there's a lot of books out there on marriage, right, from a lot of experts. Everybody seems to have been, that's married, seems to think they're an expert in it. Now, you've been married 27 years, but your marriage seems, your marriage book seems to be different than most of the rest. Yeah, it is. Um, added to my, my repertoire of careers over the past past decades, Matt, um, is that I've done a number of classes, workshops um, on relationships, and have studied the, the area extensively. And quite honestly, I decided to write the book because I was watching a talk show one day where a relationship pundit, one of the many that you referenced, yeah. um, pretended that every issue in the marriage was the fault of the wife. <laughs> and earlier that day, I heard another pundit say everything was the fault of the husband, both of which I think we both can agree is totally wrong. Yeah. Nothing is ever just one-sided. Right, exactly. And the other thing is, I-, I noticed in reading relationship books that so many of them either used 13-syllable words that no one could understand, <laughs> or, or they were so full of, of narrative that by the time you got through with the section, you, you you forgot what the point was. Yeah, what was the, the yeah? What were we make. trying to learn here exactly? So you've and tried I to simplify that, it. Well, tried to simplify it, and we live in a Twitter society in a in a CNN headline news world. And I said to myself, when when I was working with clients and doing classes, if I were to boil down to an absolute essence what it was that I was trying to get across to this person, could I do it in one to three sentences? And found that I could do. 500 plus pieces of such things. So you've taken all the wisdom and boiled it down to one to three sentences, which, which, you know, honestly is probably so healthy for, because you get to the essence, the truest form of the, of the point, right? Absolutely. And and the other thing is I also learned from all my many careers and, and, and life experiences, Matt, that, you know, the, the the real answer to most problems in life is truly the obvious answer. The the, the cliche that we tend to dismiss, thinking that it probably can't work because it's it's so obvious, or or we are afraid to try the obvious answer because if it doesn't work, then then maybe we're a bigger loser than we thought we were. <laughs> that's right. I think that's that's a funny way to look at it because it does seem like 
we think it's relationships are very complex, but the answers it seems like you're saying they're just it's simple. And the other thing that I think is that simplicity is already inside of us. It's kind of like we already know this, right? Absolutely. We just and, don't do it, I guess. And and that's one of the beauties because the book does not pretend that there's a magic bullet because there is none. It knows that every couple is not only different at any one point in time, but as time goes, what might work or apply today might not six months from now, but something else will. So I know that when people read the book, and that's been a lot of the feedback, Matt, is people know instinctively when they read one of these 500-plus pieces, they know when it will apply to their current situation. Mm. See, I think that's powerful, and it's probably going to help us cut through this today. Um, what we're going to do on the show is, in fact, I guess I'd love you to start introducing a few of your ideas right now. We have a couple more minutes, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back. But when we come back, I really want to get in depth because, you know, people are going to be going to their families. They're going to be dealing maybe with in-laws and some of the tensions that come because of in-laws. I'd love to have some advice around that, um, as well as just, you know— possibly addiction issues and some other things. So what, like, if you think of your book with your 500 pieces of advice, are there any that just are top of mind that just stand out for you? Well, here's one. Do not confuse not agreeing with not listening. Hmm. I, I mean, so many times I would hear a spouse say, she never listens to me. And <laughs> yeah. what he's really meaning to say is, she, she heard me, but she just doesn't agree. Well, the two are very different things. Right. And sometimes I guess we do the opposite. We sometimes agree or we sometimes – they might be nice and cordially understanding you and we might interpret that as agreeing as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great little piece of advice. Or ignoring a spouse is probably the worst thing that you could do to punish them. So if you really want to get back at your spouse, totally ignore them because that will hurt more than anything else (laughs) that you could possibly do. Yeah. Short of killing them, you know? Yeah. But in all honesty, they may love you ignoring them. Well, but after a while, it's not loving anymore. Because if someone is verbally or otherwise, you know, negative towards you, then you can relate to that and you can try and work on it. If right. they totally ignore you, what can you do about it? Uh-huh. But it's what we do, isn't it? Yeah, and that's where we go. We think that, I guess, we think being punitive like that is somehow going to help. Absolutely. Or calling the money that you give your spouse for their personal spending and allowance is demeaning and implies that they are a child in your relationship. And I have to tell you, Matt, I did a workshop a while back, and this very astute, very successful business owner was dragged in there by his wife. And at the end, he said, of everything we talked about in the class, he said, that struck home because he said, I looked at my wife's face when you said that. And she winced, and he said, I do that all the time mm. to her, and it never dawned on me that it bothers her. Powerful. See, it's, it is. I, I think we're going to get into this. I love this idea, Russell. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I, we're going to pick your brain. I'm just going to start throwing out a bunch of topics, and you can give us uh, your take on that. We're talking to Russell Irving, who um, is the, uh, the founder and author of a book that is called Improve Your Marriage, Don't Overlook the Obvious. You can also go to www.dontoverlooktheobvious.com and check out his website. He's got some great stuff there. We'll be back with more um, from Russell Irving on how to improve your marriage and not overlook the obvious. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
What will the jetliners of the future look like? NASA looks ahead 20 years to tell you next. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The first letter A in NASA's name still means aeronautics. Since before it was even called NASA, the agency has been dedicated to advancing aeronautical science, performance, and design. This past year, a study was conducted with key aerospace contractors to map out how to meet the goal of quieter, cleaner, greener, and faster aircraft for people in cargo. NASA plans to lead the industry forward by actually building a working demonstrator prototype of one of these advanced concepts before 2025. And what will the future airliner look like? Most likely nothing like today's tube and wing outlines. To reach performance goals of 50% more fuel efficiency and 40 decibels less noise, two of the competing companies propose flying wings, prop fans, and slippery sci-fi shapes called blended wing bodies where every part of the plane generates lift with less drag. A third contractor fielded a box wing design that's a 21st century take on old biplanes that will land on short runways, carry huge loads, yet cruise near the speed of sound. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. There's an answer to every question, a solution to every problem. Join a group of leading scholars and experts in the conversation about practical and constructive solutions to today's societal issues. BYU's Wheatley Forum shares motivating and inspiring ideas on the present and future of our world today. Join us on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about marriage and uh, what could be better than the subtle ways in our relationships that we communicate. And we send out our own intern, Tyler Mail. He also likes to be called Gus, Don, the boss, and Chewy. Don't forget Dave. And Dave. <laughs> Good to have you, Tyler. You're happy to be here, aren't you? I love being here. We, uh, we sent you out. Now, let's just set this up. So you, you wrote down the question, have you ever asked your loved ones something very clearly, but they ended up not understanding you? One of the two things happened. They weren't listening, or you didn't actually say what you thought you said. I've been told that I need to marry someone who I can talk with for hours on end. Why? Because if you can't talk in the good times, you definitely cannot talk in the bad times. But sometimes, even in those good times... We say things that we don't mean, and we mean things that we don't say. You know what I'm saying? And do you know what I mean? Here's an example. You and your spouse are out on a walk one evening, and you see an ice cream parlor. So you turn to them and you ask, Honey, would you like a milkshake? And they turn, smile, and say, No, but thank you, and then walk on. Now, are you frustrated because you can't have a milkshake now because they said no? If so, then... Why didn't you just say, honey, I'm going to get a milkshake. Would you like one too? This seems like a simple solution to the problem. But we expect people to be able to read our minds, especially our loved ones. Because if they really loved us, they would be able to do that. Here's another example. 
Let's say that you and your spouse are driving down the street, and your spouse looks at you and says, "Dear, I'm very hot." Do you know what they want? There was one man this happened to, and he didn't know, and his wife got angry at him. For those of you who don't know, she wanted the air conditioning on. Want another example? Same car ride, and your spouse turns to you and says, "Dear, I'm very thirsty." What are you thinking? Do you know what they really want? Again, this man didn't know, and he thought, "Well, we're about four minutes from the house. I'm gonna put the pedal to the metal and get this woman home." And then she gets angry at him. Why? Because that's not what she wanted. She wanted to stop at the nearby 7-Eleven and pick up a 44-ounce Big Gulp Sprite. We all drop these hints, but how many do we actually pick up on in our everyday lives? How many do people expect us to? So we're coming back now again with Russell Irving.、Uh, Russell Irving is the author of "Improve Your Marriage: Don't Overlook the Obvious." He、uh, he also has a website called www. Don't Overlook the Obvious. And what Russ, Russell's been doing is he's taken all of the great wisdom that I think so many of us have heard that we feel in our heart about marriage and relationships, and he's 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 honed them down to one to two to three sentences. So instead of having a long, huge excerpt, he's taken the great wisdom and and put it into a three sentence structure. And、uh, and I think it simplifies our lives. So,、uh, Russell Irving, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Matt. It's an honor. You bet. Good to have you. Now, what? Okay, so here we're sitting, you know, on the eve or near Thanksgiving, and a lot of us are going to be going to deal with our income. I mean, our in-laws in a way that maybe we may not always love. So, as as a couple is sitting there preparing to go to dinner with their in-laws. What what should we be thinking? What advice do you give us if you know we've got a long weekend with family we don't necessarily want to be with? Well, there's two very two very different aspects that I say. One is is the wife, let's say, who complains that her mother-in-law is meddling, always trying to tell her how to raise the kids and clean the house and cook meals. And I I say to that person, but you know what? Do you think they're really trying to be obnoxious and meddling, or just helpful? Because when you look at it, they raised your husband, <laughs> and they couldn't have done such a bad job because you married him. So maybe they have some <laughs> helpful advice to give you after all, and maybe you need to be less defensive. That, that's great、um, advice, actually. It, well, unless, other, unless they don't like their husband either. Well, well, here's the other part. <laughs> there, there are some in-laws that are really just obnoxious, mean, and always mistreat. The spouse that married their child. In which case, I suggest that the child of those horrible in-laws, you know, give an ultimatum to their parents and say, "Look, you may not like my husband or wife. They are my husband and wife, and if you don't show them respect, then I guess since my first loyalty is to them now, from the Bible, you know, you leave your parents、yeah. and you cleave to your spouse. Then I guess we need to spend much less time, and maybe I'll email you a Thanksgiving dinner. How's that?" Interesting. So, really, take a stand in a way. Like I've got, to, I'm, I'm cleaving unto my partner. I, if you can't love him, then maybe I'll just mail in my turkey dinner. Well, it's not saying they have to love him, but they have to treat them with respect. There's a difference. Yeah. 
you know, not saying that they have to like them even, but, you know, we treat a lot of people we don't like, Matt, with respect. Yeah. So your, your, your child's spouse deserves no less. Well, it's so true. And it's, in a way, their, their problem is probably not even with the, the spouse. I mean, this is about them, right? This is about a mother-in-law that's probably sad that she's lost something. Uh, right. And and so if we start becoming belligerent and mean and horrible to our in-laws, then I guess in the end, we are part of the problem. Yeah. We, no question. We don't need to be doing that. Um, so in-laws are a big deal. You've been married 27 years, right? Actually 28 now. 28, two kids, two sons. Is yeah. that right? How, Absolutely. How much of this did you just learn by sticking it out 27 years and having a healthy marriage. Is that where you got this? Or was did this come more from your studies, from your workshops, the classes you've put together? How did you learn this? From, it came from all of the things that you just mentioned, Matt. It truly did. I have a wonderful wife, but have we had our share of issues and problems? Of course, every couple has. Yeah. But I've combined that and added things from my workshops and my research. And I also one of those people who's a people observer. I observe people. I kind of eavesdrop on conversations in restaurants or in store checkout lines or from coworkers. And, and so it, it's gleaned from all of that. It's powerful. And I, I really think you have to have struggles in a marriage. I think it's inherent. It's, I think it's like with everything else. We've got to struggle a little bit. And in fact, even some of the latest research shows that even the healthiest couples are, the, are having issues. It's just they don't necessarily let the issues tear them apart. Well, and, the, and one of the things I knew off front in, in a workshop is if, if, if a couple said to me, Matt, we never argue, we really don't have any problems, then I know up front they're liars. <laughs> you liar! Well, but, truly. Yeah. Every marriage, every couple has issues. Now, whether or not they confront them and deal with them is a whole different story, as you know. Totally. But when they say that there aren't any, I know they're lying. Love that. That's so true. I used to, I say that same thing, and then I started because you know there's always there's always the you know eighty year old ninety year old people that said we never fought a day in our life, and then you're like oh cute well you still made it uh, but you're a liar, you know right. you still you and still want to question kid. it. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. So as as we are together and one of the goals i guess or things that happens in a relationship is it seems like we're always trying to make our partner kind of toe the line and be more like us and a lot of spouses are out there complaining that they have to nag their partner to get them to do something do you have any tips for those people that are tired of maybe having to nag to create a change my bottom line is Stop the nagging because if it hasn't worked in a year, it's never going to work. It's the guy who says, my wife never shuts the light off and she leaves the room. And I say, you know what? If you've nagged about it for five years of marriage, has it done anything but ruin the evening that you had ahead of you or the day you had ahead of you? Well, no, but (laughs) for the sake of the few pennies, is it worth doing that? Because bottom line is, whatever their reason, good, bad, or indifferent, it's not going to change so stop the nagging unless it's something about something earth-shattering and, and, and life, life-altering. It seems like you kind of you have a theme that goes over and over, Russell, that's, that's this idea that it's not working, right? And if it doesn't work, then just don't do it anymore. Why do you think it is as humans that we keep doing things that don't work? Because we're comfortable with what we want the world and our partner to be like. It's, it's the... Um, woman who says, or the husband who says, you know what, my wife can't stand my friends, 
and it drives me crazy, and we have a miserable time when I drag her along with us. And I say to him, how many best friends do you have? Uh, two. In your whole life, yeah. So why do you think your wife should suddenly love your <laughs> best friend that it took you decades to, to make, and, and even more so, you want her to be best friends with that guy's wife? Does that make any sense? But in their mind, they want the world to be a certain way, and they expect this spouse to fit their ideas, to fit their mold. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like they're, they're, will, they're not willing to adjust themselves, but they will wholeheartedly adjust the spouse. Or try to. Or try to, huh? Well, what are you, okay, so good. That, that's a, where does it move to controlling, though, I guess, Russell? Because, I mean, it's one thing when they're just kind of constantly suggesting something. But what, what do you do or how do you suggest we handle somebody that are a partner when they start to be really controlling of us? Well, the first thing I ask people is step back and, and examine the fact of whether or not your spouse is truly controlling. Or do they, are they just a strong-minded, strong-willed person, and if you said, I don't want to do this or I don't like it, then they're open to discussion. That's not a controlling person. If they're truly controlling, realize that you yourself always have some amount of control. You can get up. You can leave the situation. You can insist no. You always have an amount of control in every situation. You may not want to exercise it. You may not like some of the ramifications of it, in which case if they say, then we're divorcing you. But you always have control as to how you handle a controlling, a truly controlling spouse. Yeah, it seems like we, we, we sometimes pick up some of these words from uh, psychotherapists or just, I guess, from the world, like he's so controlling or he's such a narcissist. Um, but... Regardless, I guess you're saying we still have a say in how we respond to these people that are influencing us. We don't have to be mad. We don't have to be we don't have to be hate filled. We don't have to control them because they're controlling us. We always have a say. You always have a say in every situation. Now, like I said, you may not like the choices at the moment, but you always have choices. And again, most people and you reference that here, the psychobabble, Matt, and they assume and use these words like controlling, or as you said, narcissistic, when that's really not what your spouse is. Right. Yeah, it seems like we choose the label. The label seems easier, apparently, than just accepting somebody or accepting oh, that you have agency and choice. But when you use those labels, like to your parents, now the in-laws are really out to get your spouse because, hey, you're controlling my little baby, my that's little right. princess. Well, they're really not. They may just have a strong sense of, of self and purpose, which is very different. Totally. Totally. Good stuff. We're going we're gonna to take a break, Russell. And um, Russ, Russell's been very willing for all of you listeners that if you want some more information about what we're talking about, we'll come back and do one more segment with him. But if you want more information um, from Russ, he will actually give you a big chunk of the book that he wrote. The book's called Improve Your Marriage, Don't Overlook the Obvious. And he will send you out an, a, a big excerpt of the book if you'll just email him at russ at don't overlook the obvious.com russ at don't overlook the obvious.com we're going to take a break from russell irving we'll be back and uh, wrap up this segment with russ and give you more tools and ideas more solutions to all the questions you might have of how to make your marriage how to keep it simple and not complicate your life you're listening to the matt townsend show right here on sirius xm 143 byu radio
KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Four men have been charged in California after the FBI uncovered their plot to kill Americans overseas and join forces with al-Qaeda militants. One of the men is an Afghan-born naturalized U.S. citizen who served a year in the Air Force in the early 2000s. According to authorities, the 34-year-old was connected to al-Qaeda and was going to introduce the others to his contacts. If they are convicted, each could face up to 15 years in prison for their plans to carry out violent jihadist attacks, some of which including bombing government buildings. Congressional leaders keep saying they are close to a deal that would avoid the fiscal cliff, but Fed Chief Ben Pernanke says Congress should quit talking about a deal and make one. The end-of-the-year deadline to avoid the over $600 billion in automatic budget cuts and tax hikes is getting closer, and Bernanke's warning is just one of many urging quick action to avoid the cuts that could send the economy back into recession. He also says that the debt ceiling should be raised, but long-term plans should be made to reduce the overall national debt. Authorities are working to find those responsible for the deaths of six dolphins that have been found shot to death along the Gulf Coast. Some of the bodies have been mutilated, which only concerns local police further. In the most recent case, a dolphin was found with its jaw missing. In a previous incident, the dolphin was found without a tail. The Institute for Marine Mammal Studies has offered a $5,000 reward for any information leading to the capture of those who are responsible for the dolphin killings. In the U.S., killing a dolphin is grounds for a $20,000 fine. Holiday shopping is on track to move more online than ever before this year, with more interest in mobile devices, early online deals, and growing offers of free shipping. Retail holiday sales are expected to grow over 16% this year from last, and online shopping is expected to account for 10% of all retail sales in the fourth quarter. Cyber Monday is catching on with more retailers, giving consumers a chance at Black Friday-style deals from the comfort of their own homes. Online shopping is also expanding through social media. Companies like Walmart are sending out deals over Facebook and Twitter feeds to customers who follow their pages. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, on, the, on the show today, we've been talking about marriage and how sometimes it kind of gets maybe more complicated than it needs to be. And we've brought on an expert, Russell Irving, who is the, uh, the author of the book, Improve Your Marriage, Don't Overlook the Obvious. He also has a website uh, at www.dontoverlooktheobvious.com. And we have been picking Russell's brain to uh, to try to figure out how to you know keep it more simple. So Russell, welcome back to the program with us. Thanks, Matt. Good to be with you again. Now, one of the things, and we've done some shows on this even recently, is about Facebook and the impact that Facebook has on relationships. So there's a lot of these younger families that are you know affairs are coming from Facebook or people are becoming addicted to technology and things like that. What what advice do you have for these couples and these younger or not even younger but any couple about Facebook and other high-tech outlets? 
Well, whether it's, it's Facebook or, you know, LinkedIn or Google+, Plus, I mean, they're all well and good. But first of all, you have to keep in mind that these people are truly not your friends in 99% of the instances. <laughs> they're people that have agreed to, to listen to your, your ranch, your raves, your, your positive things, quote you want to send back and forth. They're truly not your friends. Your friend really is the person you're sharing, or should be, you're sharing your apartment or house mm-hmm. with. Um, the second thing is moderation, whether it's, it's being on the computer or being on your, your smartphone all the time. For instance, my policy in the house, when dinner time comes, phones are off. We don't answer them. Um, often the TV is off. Answering machine rings. You don't pick it up. It, it's, it's personal one-on-one time. Nothing is more offensive than when you're out with your spouse and all they're doing is watching the smartphone for scores or, or mm-hmm. tweets or whatever. Right. Well, and it's especially, it seems like one of the only things we can actually offer each other that is of any import on this earth is our time, is our attention, is our focus. And it, and it just seems like this, the Facebook, all of, these inter, all of these interruptions end up stealing that thing that we offer or don't offer. Well, and, and you know, I hear so frequently now, Matt, someone saying, you know, after, after we're done with dinner and the kids are in bed, all my spouse wants to do is be on Facebook or on chat groups or playing video games, mm-hmm. and they don't spend time with me. And I say to them, you know what? Here's the reality about human nature. We tend to spend our free time doing what gives us the most pleasure. So if your husband or wife isn't spending their free time with you, that means you're not as enjoyable to be around as a vague body or an icon or avatar <laughs> yeah. on, on, online. Oh, yeah. See, but that, those are fighting words. Those are, Russell, you're going to start a fight by bringing that up. I do. But you know <laughs> what? But you also hear later on from those who try to adjust that, their moods, their actions, and, and what they do to make themselves more appealing to their spouse again, I hear thank you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, again, we don't like change, but... You know, along the way, especially after kids, you stop being as, as dating and romantic and as fun and, and whatever as you were beforehand. So, of course, your spouse doesn't go want to spend time with you. You're not fun anymore. It's so true. And, and a lot of that, when we were first dating and in love, we, were, we, we had a lot more energy. I think this is all the chemistry that used to course through our body. But... It seems like eventually we just kind of we get comfortable with each other where we settle in and we no longer feel like, I guess, a need to compete for our partner's attention or to even keep stirring the pot. You're right. But if you don't, then that's why couples drift apart. And then when you have an empty nest, you see an incredible increase in the number of divorces because they no longer have anything that bonds them together. Their relationship totally drifted out to say. That's right. And and it's it's very common. And sadly, it doesn't have to be. I mean, it, it has to just be recognized that if you want your partner to put the phone away, then you need to be more engaging, more inviting, more... Yeah. I guess caring. There's also some people that, um, I mean, that that's kind of the age-old argument. And, you know, this is a family show, so we always treat it carefully. But it's also this argument about intimacy and our lack of intimacy, our lack of touching. All of that seems to fall into the same realm. So maybe they're choosing, uh, they're choosing their iPhone and all the games on that to be stimulated versus just being close to you. 
And, and, I, and I'm going to be, you don't have to worry about any seven-second delay in what I'm going to say, <laughs> okay? Yeah. But I, I say to the spouse who no longer wants to be sexual or physically intimate with, with, their, with their partner in life, I say, you know what? People don't marry their best friend who's also their platonic friend. You marry someone who you're sexually and physically attracted to. And while you may not be in the mood much anymore, by shutting them out, it really is not fair. To me, there's not a major difference in some ways between a spouse who has an adulterous affair and a spouse who shuts off their husband or wife completely from intimacy. Mm. Both, I believe, are breaking the marital vows. I think you're right. And and there, I think we're also, we're damaging a part of the marriage. I mean, I think we don't quite understand what intimacy does to the marriage. I mean, it's it really is a bonding thing. It's It's a truly chemically bonding thing that actually chemically makes us closer together. And yeah, I, I, we overlook that, don't we? Absolutely. You know, we have no problems believing that babies need to be touched and held, but, you know, we don't lose that as we go into adulthood. Right. So even if it is just cuddling or a massage or a neck rub, that's vital in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think a good time for that seems to be uh, when you are, I mean, I, I read a, a study that says 20% of couples aren't even sleeping together. They're 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 sleeping in separate spaces or separate rooms, probably because of sleep apnea and restless leg and all of these other problems. But it seems like you know bedtime as a couple would be a really important time of the day. Absolutely, and and it's not just for sex; it's for winding down. It's it's for reading together and chit chatting about what's going on. However, bedtime is the worst time to bring up an ultra heavy decision. <laughs> for discussion. Like at 11.30, that's a bad time? You think that's a bad time, Russ? You're you're burned out. You're exhausted. The odds are you're going to get short with one another, and then neither one of you is going to sleep till the next day is shot. That is the worst time to bring up anything major, anything heavy. Isn't that funny? And that's what my clients are always telling me, that it's the weirdest thing because that's when we always fight. Well, I'm like, well, sure you do. You're tired. You're exhausted. (laughs) And then you're bringing up the biggest issue? But again, it's all these obvious things that we tend to overlook, and that's why I named the book what I did. That's good. Don't overlook the obvious. Tell us, um, tell us what are some healthier tips for arguing or handle, handling some of the conflict? Well, obviously, if you're in a, in short, feeling short-tempered and exhausted, you need to excuse yourself from it and say to your partner, we're going to get back to this later. The minute you start yelling You've already lost the argument no matter what. So if you can't keep a, a, a mellow tone, don't even bother. You might as well just wave the, wave the white flag of surrender. Right. Um, also, realize that the success to the end of an argument depends on each person feeling that they can walk away with something. Now, it's a myth to say that you both walk away with a 50-50 agreement. That, that virtually never happens. Right. But you both need to walk away not with some, not only with some pride and respect from your partner, but you both need to get something that you wanted out of the whole of the whole deal. Yeah, I I totally agree. And that fifty fifty thing, it's you know we nobody wants fifty percent fidelity. I get that. So it's really a hundred to hundred. We're all giving everything we can, and it also seems like that role rotates. It seems like. Um, the, you know, there might be a day when one of us gets ill and. 
has to be cared for in a disproportionate way by the other. And 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 I think we're we're always looking like or feeling like these relationships should always be reciprocal, meaning I should oh. always get something if I give something. But, but that's the myth of 50-50 sharing of housework. Yeah. No offense. It's never going to be 50-50. It should be both people do some based on their skill level and the amount of time that's given, but never 50-50. And you have so many people, primarily women who have been indoctrinated with your spouse has to help out 50% of the time. But, but I say to the wives, but you don't help out. Mm-hmm. You know, always 50%. That's a myth. As long as you both are working together and using your own strengths, that's what matters more than a 50-50 number. Totally Don't agree. And, and there's actually been some research lately out about that, that um, couples that are expecting it to be 50-50 may actually be bigger scorekeepers. And, they, and they're not necessarily noticing all of the other things that are going on that – that are also disproportionate, like income, who's earning more income or who's spending more time doing this or who's taking care of the children more. And so it's, it's, a, it's kind of a slippery slope, isn't it? The minute we start expecting, um, expecting everything to be exactly equal. Right. And it will never happen. So to go for it is just going to add more stress and problems in your marriage, man. Mm, totally agree. What else do we need to know, Russell? As you sit back and and you think of this, uh, and you think of your twenty eight year marriage and two children, um, what what else are we just flat out missing when it comes to marriage? We're missing the importance of rituals, and I don't mean religious ones. Um, I could best maybe sum it up by a fellow author of of uh, Western history who said to me a while back, he said, I never realized till I was married how important rituals can be. And I said, explain. He said, every day he was growing up, his, his father would get up for, for us to go down, make a pot of coffee, and bring the, the coffee and the paper to his mother in the morning. And then after about a half hour, she would come down, make his lunch, give him a kiss, send him on his way. And he said he never realized how happy they seemed to be during those ritual moments Mm. and how it seemed to carry both of them in a mood when things started going wrong. Yeah. And and that's so important. Whatever the ritual is doesn't matter as long as it's something that you both can count on. And and you go, wow, the fact that she calls me every day at noon to just say, how's your day going? Or, Or I get a neck rub when I first come home. Those are such vital rituals to making a marriage happy and pleasant. It doesn't have to be big. doesn't have to cost even a penny, Matt. Love it. I really do. I totally agree with that. And rituals create predictability, and there's nothing more critical in a high-trust, long-term relationship than being able to predictably count on the fact that your partner will be there. It's, uh, it's powerful stuff. Russell Irving, so appreciate you joining us. Now, You, um, if people want more information about you, they go to your website, right? And that's, yeah. that's www.dontoverlooktheobvious.com. With and, no apostrophe and don't, by the way, to those who yep, aren't sure. D-O-N-T, overlooktheobvious.com. They can also, if they want a, a fairly big chunk of the book, an excerpt of the book, Don't Overlook the Obvious, or Improve Your Marriage, Don't Overlook the Obvious, they can email you at russ at com, and you'll send them out that uh, excerpt, right? Absolutely, Matt. Be happy to. Good stuff. Russell Irving, so appreciate you uh, and appreciate your, your wisdom and your wise 
uh, abbreviated uh, information. I, I love that. I think that's going to be so helpful to everybody. So everybody, take care of your family. Take care of your partner. Listen to Russell's great advice and go start setting some rituals up and taking care of each other um, in a very simple way. It really is fairly simple out there. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to give you more tools, more tips, ideas on how to improve the relationship. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. Will a future doctor fix your clogged artery with a microscopic submarine? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Inspired by Isaac Asimov's science fiction tale, Fantastic Voyage, doctors have long dreamed of miniature probes that could travel through the body's bloodstream and treat illness at the source. But how do you fit propulsion, sensors, and a battery in a one-millimeter package small enough to work inside a vein or artery, much less a smaller capillary? Maybe you don't need to. Researchers from Korea's Hanyang University propose a different way to drive a nanoprobe through the body's circulatory system using magnetic fields outside the body. Combining external magnetic propulsion and control with external imaging scans to see where you're going means the probe can shrink considerably in size with unlimited endurance. Early tests in simulated arteries show the probe can be driven with a corkscrew-like propeller effect, as well as moved up, down, and side to side, all through magnetic fields. The corkscrew motion might also be used to cut away arterial blockages or clots without surgery. Or the probe can deliver custom payloads of drugs directly into tumors to treat cancers. The possibilities are, well, fantastic. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Now, as you remember, we've been talking about marriage, the importance of marriage. Uh, We had Russell Irving on earlier who gave us a lot of wonderful tips on how to improve your marriage. So my my, uh, crack staff here, none of which are married, um, decided that we're going to play the newlywed game. So what better game to play than the newlywed game? And because I'm the only one that's married or even newly married, uh, here we go. Rob's put together something for us. So clearly, how many mar- uh, years have you been married to? 21 Marty? years. 21 years. I so, so this hope should that's right. be a walk in the park. This will be very easy. 100%. So I'm going to Every have, day we're together, Rob. I have a sealed envelope. Okay. And right now, Marty is on a, a soundproof sound line. So oh, she, wow. Uh, phone line. So she cannot hear your responses. Okay. But I'll ask you four questions. Scary. And based on your answers, we'll have to see if she gives the same answer. We'll ask her to try to guess. Okay. I'm scared. What you would have guessed. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. Question number one. What is one item of clothing that you wear that annoys your spouse? (laughs) Um, That is a very good question. One item of clothing that I wear that annoys my spouse. Honestly, she doesn't get annoyed by my clothing. Um... Okay, a uh, a uh, a tight collared shirt, a like tie? with a with a tie. A tight collared. She thinks my my shirt. Yeah, with a tie. That's the only thing she ever critiques. Like, 
you can't wear that. Your tie looks too tight. You look like your 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 chins are popping out. So one item of clothing rude, that you believe Marty would say that she is annoyed with is when you wear <laughs> a tight collar shirt with a tie. Yes. Okay. Question number two. Huh. What would your spouse say is your favorite restaurant? Hmm. My favorite restaurant, she would say is uh she would say is Applebee's. Applebee's. And that's not true, but that's just cheap and near our house. So, so, that's you, like, so you think she will say I think she'll say Applebee's. Applebee's Applebee's is your favorite. Yeah. When is your mother-in-law's birthday? <laughs> It is on the day she was born into this blessed earth. And that is? And that is the day it happened. So your answer is the day she was born. Yes, on the blessed day she was born. The blessed. Oh, that's horrible. September, I'm Does she have to say blessed for it to be a correct answer? No, no. Just if she just... The day she was born. I know that she knows my mother-in-law's birthday. But she has to guess... What she thinks you said. Okay. Well, she's going to think I don't have a clue. So she would say – her words will be, he doesn't know my mother's birthday. Okay. And your final question, if your wife won the lottery, yes, what would be the first thing she would spend the money on? <laughs> um, the first thing she would spend the money on would be uh, get a housekeeper. Get – a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, A, she'd pay her debt, any debt off. She'd pay her debts off. B, then she'd get a housekeeper. C, then she'd buy me bigger collared shirts. D, she'd <laughs> buy me then a calendar with my mother's in-law's birthday on it. So, but which one of those is your final A, answer? A, she'd pay off debt. Pay off debt. Okay. That's just how she works. So I will seal okay. these Can in a sealed wait. envelope. Yes. And then we will go backstage where she is in a soundproof telephone I line. I so scared. And bring her into the studio where you will try not to give snarky clues I to will give not away. give one snarky clue. And we'll see how many of those four Marty can answer correctly Perfect. about Matt. Bring Are we ready on. to bring her in, Matt? Bring her on. Marty, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. So you've been backstage in a soundproof telephone line, and you do not, you you can vouch for anybody listening that you have right. not I heard, have heard Matt. nothing. No. Okay. Can I just say something? I love you, Marty, with all of my heart. Regardless <laughs> what of what want? happens here, I am yours forever. Now, this should be easy because Matt says you've been married 21 years. Um, yes, that's right. Is that right? <laughs> Matt's got this giddy look on his face. Sweet. I'm off to the races. He wasn't sure if that was the correct number or not. It could have been 22. Yes, he's right. 22 in February. Yes, yes okay. He's right. Now, Matt tried to guess on each of these questions the response that he thinks you would say. So okay. as you answer, you're not necessarily trying to give the correct answer. You're trying to give the answer that... You think Matt said, as he was trying to think of what you said. Okay. What I think Matt said. Okay. Got it. Which is never easy. Question number one. What is one item of clothing that Matt wears that you can't stand? Oh, geez. 
<laughs> you needed to give me a little warning about these questions. Um, an item of clothing that I don't like of his. Let me think. I don't know. Oh, this is a this is a hard one. Um, let's say. The more you struggle, the more Matt has this confident look. Like, oh yeah, I'm a this snap, is a very hard dresser. one. It is a hard one. How about? His jeans with holes in them? I know that's probably wrong. No. Anything really. Not even close. He didn't even think to bring that one up. No, but okay. th- you'll, this one that I said, you'll totally agree with. Okay. I do guess we, I don't find out the answer for a while. Do we tell you until, you until you give up and admit you don't know? So oh, you, do you want me to keep? Do you want me to keep guessing? If you think you have a better guess. Okay. Just okay. Maybe just an older T-shirt. Close, but, but no. Okay, I give up. <laughs> Tight collared shirts with a tie. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, like when you're like, hey, Tubby, loosen that collar. Yeah. That thing. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Uh-huh. I should have thought of that. No, it's hard. It, no, that that was a hard one. The rest are just he, as hard. He's wearing one right now, actually. Yeah. He's wearing a tie. I'm wearing a, a tight collared shirt with a tie in my holy G, my holy Levi's. Oh, do you need to loosen it a bit? <laughs> yes, I can hardly talk. <laughs> Question okay. number two: What do you think Matt would say? You would say is Matt's favorite restaurant? Matt's favorite restaurant is got to be a steakhouse. How about? Um, ah. <laughs> Um, let me think. Texas Roadhouse. No. <laughs> oh, um, another good steakhouse. Market Street Grill. No. <laughs> I'm not doing very well. No, we this don't one's eat hard. Out a whole well, lot the problem with it is because that's exa- my first thought was it's a steakhouse. That was what was in my head, but we never go eat at my favorite restaurant. Okay, how about Cafe Rio? Let's go there. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> of all the restaurants on planet Earth oh, that Matt could geez. potentially pick, he thought you would say that it's Applebee's. Oh, my gosh, because that's where we always end up because they're the only place open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's our life right there because we eat late, and that's why I've got a big uh, goiter that hangs down into my collar. <laughs> Didn't we have a uh, dietitian on the show who said we're not supposed to eat after eight or yeah, six? That's why she's yeah, not. Yeah, we the show. break that rule often. <laughs> <laughs> we took her off the show as fast as okay, we Okay, well, Matt and Marty, you're zero for two. Let's see if we can turn this around. <sighs> Question number three What would Matt say, think that you would say, he would say, is your mother's birthday, Marty? What would he say about my mother's birthday? He would probably say. Oh, September sometime? <laughs> Maybe. I hope he'd get he'd know that much. We'd all hope that. We'll what did he say? We, we can we can all hope. Things. Matt's hope answer Matt's answer was the blessed day she was born. Oh my word. <laughs> mm. What was my second answer, Rob? Um just the day she was born. Then the third answer? Uh, she was born. <laughs> I, I did eventually say it was probably in September. I did say that. I said well, that. We, we pulled the tape. It's on the tape. It'll be on the tape. So your answer is 
The is, day she was born. Yes, on the blessed day she was born. The blessed. Oh, that's horrible. September. I'm Does she say. have to say blessed? I did say September. it's in September, but I didn't know exactly when it was. So I went with the blessed day that she was born, <laughs> which was a great day for everyone on earth. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. Sad, that's sad. I asked Matt, I said, if your wife won the lottery, hmm, what would be the first thing she would spend the money on? Okay. A vacation. No! Florida or Hawaii with the whole family. Oh, my heavens. (laughs) You're so irresponsible. Um, What did you say? (laughs) What did I say, Robbie? Well, he had three options. He hedged his bets. His first one was pay off debts. Oh, yeah. Second one was get a housekeeper. Oh, yeah. And the third one, (laughs) buy him bigger shirts. (laughs) Actually, the first two, I should have thought of those. Yes. Well, but you didn't. I did not. But yes, I would want to do those things, too. See, that's what's funny. When you've been married so long, you know 15 answers, they'd say. Yeah. Yeah. So getting one so you have is two, hard. too large of a choice. Is that what we you're really saying? do? We it's, <laughs> we know each other so well. We have too many choices. Well, well you do- that was just my first reaction. But of course, you need to pay off debts first. Yeah, and, well, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Well, yeah. you don't get the grand prize because you had a score of zero what out of four. Get, Rob? You get a consolation prize of another twenty-one years of marriage. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Twenty-one more years. To and then we'll try this Applebee's. game again in uh, what would that be? Twenty thirty-three, and we'll see uh, which score is then. Well done, okay. my love. Okay, those were hard questions. Okay, go about you know. your busy day. I know. I okay. know. Rob, put well, them together. We'll we'll take care of Rob. <laughs> oh no! Okay. Yeah. See you, Lava. Bye. Thanks for joining us. That's just depressing. Didn't get one right, Robbie. Not one. Well, I mean, at least you're you've been married for 21 years. That's good for something. I guess it's better than not being married and getting them all right. (laughs) Anyway, okay. Well, uh, that I think, my friends, is the show. I hope you've had a great marriage. I hope. You could maybe pass those tests uh, with your partner. Remember, marriage is what you put into it. It's not necessarily just finding the perfect person. It's working and then slowly talking, understanding, and dealing with each other. We hope you've learned something on our show. Again, stick with us on the Matt Townsend Show. It's always good to be with you, and we hope uh, you take care of your family. Again, we'll be back tomorrow with more great ideas, tools, and tips right here from the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.